Welcome to episode 31 of Your Town Crime, West Valley City, Utah. This week we bring you a little bit of history and three true crime stories. We'd like to thank Podbean.com for getting our story out to you guys and also Podbelly.com for teaching us how to start a podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Your Town Crime. Hey, hey. This is episode <laughs> 31. I'm Jason. And I'm Shannon. We'd like to thank you all for coming back and listening to us. Yes, thank you. This week, we uh, the dart hit West Valley City, Utah. And boy, did we hit the jackpot. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, when we hit it last week, I looked and I was like, that's right next to Salt Lake City, so maybe we'll just say Salt Lake City. And I was like, nope, that's not the rules. Mm-hmm. We go where we hit we hit west valley city utah and i was surprised to find I, I have definitely heard of west valley city utah on some documentaries yeah and some fellow podcasts that's right um do you want to go ahead and give spoilers uh sure what's coming ahead yeah well, let's see if, if you've heard of ted bundy raise your hand <laughs> me my hands yeah, are raised yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people's hands are raised i would say just about everybody should be everybody if you're not <laughs> and you're listening to a true crime podcast. Welcome. Uh, yeah, welcome to True Crime. Ted Bundy, you need to go on Netflix and yeah, and uh, everywhere else or in the world. Or just anywhere. Yeah, and yeah. find out more about him. Uh, also, um, you know, he was an awful man. Uh, but also, there's another another case from West Valley City. Uh, that's uh, Susan Powell. Uh, she was good person mm-hmm. uh, from all accounts and uh but she was uh we're going to talk about her also a little bit and then shannon has another crime that we we haven't heard about mm-hmm. but uh we'll get into susan susan powell's case just a little bit uh, like we said that's another big case and uh we'll go ahead and tell you that cold give them a shout out the podcast cold oh yeah for yeah. sure they did a they did a season mm-hmm. on the, the disappearance of susan powell so. it was so good too it i was. listened to it when it first came out so yeah. i don't even know how long ago that's been i feel like two years or more yeah i it's was listening to it i was listening to it last the end of last year or the first of this year at some point and uh it's definitely a, a great podcast um and like I said, they took a entire season to talk about it. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to kind of go through uh, some of the the highlights uh, from that case. And uh, but yeah, if you shout out to Cole because they did a great job. And I know we're one podcast. We're telling you to listen to another podcast. But hey, it's true crime world. It's true crime family. So uh, it'll be fine. 2018 right. was when Cole came out with the Susan Powell case and Josh Powell. All right, so there's some other cases going on in the world right now. Um, Gabby Petito. Yeah, out and they they did go through uh, through Utah, and um, heard saw the headlines tonight where things are still developing pretty heavily. We we're recording on a Sunday night, and uh, they were searching for her. Uh, some headlines came headlines came out. I just read the head, headlines, so I'm not even going to say what they were. By the time this podcast comes out, we'll pr- hopefully know more. 
uh, about what they found. Her uh, her boyfriend, fiance, is is missing. He's in Florida, though. They yeah, he, right. They think mm-hmm. he was at his parents' house, and now he's gone. Said he's been gone since Tuesday. They don't know where he's at, but they've been searching for him also. Uh, then we've got the was it the Murdoch family, in South Carolina. Yeah, that one's an interesting. It case. is. I I heard about it. A month or two ago, yeah, it's been a uh, when his his wife his wife and son got killed, and I mm-hmm. heard about that, and was like, whoa, this is South Carolina, just like he was like old South Carolina family money, money. a lot of money there. This is mm-hmm. weird, yeah, and uh, it's getting weirder by the day. Yes, There's a lot more going on. Now. Just the money that comes with that, I it's it's gonna be real interesting to see how where that plays out. Yeah, and what we know, what what we'll probably never know though. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was. They tried to have somebody kill him, kill him, so his son could get get the what you know the get the inheritance and all that stuff and get a, a life insurance policy. And then he, the guy missed and drove off or whatever he did and whatever's going on. So uh, there's a podcast already on that too. Mm-hmm. So a lot's been going on this week. Um, we've got a lot to talk about in this episode, so we're going to get to it. Um, I'm going to start with the history, like always, and then uh, and then get into a little bit of historic crimes. Uh, for all you true crime nuts out there. Yes. All right, so West Valley City, Utah is a suburb of Salt Lake City. Its population is around 135,000, and it's now the second largest city behind Salt Lake City. Uh, yeah. What? And, by the way, I was looking at pictures, and it is so pretty. It is. Like, right? I want to visit Salt Lake City so bad, West Valley City. Yeah. Like, I want to go there. It is beautiful. The Ute and Shoshone Native American tribes were there when the first European settlers moved in, and, and they found evidence uh, while building buildings and things like that. They found evidence of people in the area from uh, up to 3,000 years ago. Mm. So there's been people there for a while. The first uh, European settlers were the members of the Church of Latter-day Saints, and they got there around 1847. Joseph Harker traveled across the Jordan River, and uh, his family was the first family to uh, stake out uh, where West Valley City is now. Um, became a farming community and the canals were dug in the 1870s and 80s from the Jordan River and that moved people a little bit farther west uh, schools, churches, and shops started popping up after World War II farms started shrinking and neighborhoods started growing and people started moving from outside of Salt Lake City across the river into West Valley City um, there were four communities in the area uh, Hunter, Granger, Chesterfield, and Redwood and they all combined uh, in 1980 to incorporate and become West Valley City. So this is a very new town. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing's only 40, 41 years old now. So uh, it wasn't incorporated until then, and those four communities came together at that time. It almost, they, they, they took a vote to uh, disincorporate soon after that uh, because it was just so tough to start a, a city in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, the economy wasn't the best uh, coming out of the 70s uh, through different things, and uh uh, banks wouldn't finance a new city that didn't have uh, everything set up yet, didn't have a lot of income coming in yet because they hadn't, they hadn't really set up. Uh, so the first mayor, Hank Price, and a few commissioners, Renee McKay and Jerry Wagstaff, paid for the police car's gas out of their own pocket. Oh, cool. Well, now look. Look at that. Yeah. How much? <laughs> that worked. Yeah, that worked out. Now, this was in, the, in 1980. Uh, the city made it, of course. It's still there. We're talking about it in 2021, so we know it made it. Uh, they were able to build a city hall in 1990, and they paid it, paid for it with, uh, with cash on hand. They didn't have to finance anything, so that was great. 
That's crazy, though. They had a city hall in 1990. Right. That's when they <laughs> they built their first. They built their first new city hall. Right. I'm sure they had something somewhere. Right. In an older building. Um, and then in 2002, it was Olympics. Uh, the Olympics were in Salt Lake City, and the hockey venue uh, for for both men and women, uh, ice hockey venue, was there in West Valley City. So uh, by then, it was it was going pretty good. The city started to build a downtown area in 2011. And it had a new city hall, a police station, hotel, plaza, and a residential area. And you can go on Google Earth right now, and they're still working on it. Uh, of course, I mean, that started in 2011. So that's a lot of buildings, mm-hmm. and they're not small buildings. Right. Uh, the hotels like an embassy suites, those are huge. Uh, the residential uh, apartments that they built, uh, at least some of them that I saw, were, were really nice and really big. And it looks like a pretty cool place. Uh, you can go down to Street View and see it, and uh, they're still building it. Yeah. That area is now called Fairborn Station, and it's right downtown um, West Valley City, and it's it looks really nice, like I said. So it was named after a, a dude, Joseph Fairborn, who had a, a way station in the area in the late 19th century. So uh, they named it after him. And it's going to take up like 40 acres. Wow. It's already taken up 40 acres. I mean, like I, like I said, it's been, been built for a while. So uh, that's pretty much the history. It's very short. Could have gone more in detail with uh, the Latter-day Saints. Uh, I could have gone in more detail with the uh, Native Americans, but um, I found out some more history and true crime history that I'll talk about now. Talked about it earlier, Ted Bundy. Uh, how's he tied into here? Uh, a lot of times you think about him in the in the upper uh, uh, northwest, mm-hmm. uh, but he was arrested in West Valley City. It wasn't West Valley City at the time. It was... Uh, it was Granger, Utah, one of the communities that later became West Valley City. Uh, he was he was a student at the University of Utah Law School at this time, so he had moved from uh, from Washington State, I believe, in, in, into here. And uh, on August 16th, 1975, in Granger, Utah, uh, he was arrested by Bob Hayward. He was uh, Bob Hayward lived in this neighborhood, and he he got a he was out and saw this guy drive by in a Volkswagen bug and was like, it's kind of weird. He had his lights off and mm-hmm. noticed him. He was like, that's, that's weird. Uh, so anyway, he ended up driving, driving towards him a little bit later, like 10 minutes later. The Volkswagen, when it saw him, took off. So he's like, oh, that's definitely weird. So <laughs> yeah. now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pull this guy over. So Bob Hayward uh, uh, went, uh, pursued him, and uh, – the Volkswagen bug wasn't that fast, and he caught him pretty quick. So the dude's like, "I guess I got to pull over." So he pulled over in a in a gas station parking lot, and the guy went in and uh, looked looked at his IDs, and it was Theodore Bundy, mm. who already did. had a warrant. He did. It's, uh, he had some. Well, no, he didn't. Didn't have a warrant yet. He was a person of interest in some stuff in okay. Washington State and Oregon. Uh, his name had, was on the radar, but nothing had been nothing had happened yet. This time he uh, Bob Hayward didn't know what who Theodore Bundy was. He didn't mm-hmm. know. He didn't think that was a big deal, but he did search his car, and in the back he found out his passenger seat had been removed and was in the back seat. Mm-hmm. And then he found uh, he found a ski mask, a pantyhose, a crowbar, handcuffs, trash bag, a cool rope, an ice pick, and other stuff that made it look like he was a burglar and up to no good. Right. Yeah, well, that's kind of weird. But he's like. Bundy tried to explain it all the way, you know, the whole time saying, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a law school student, you know, just acting real nice and stuff. And he said, the ski mask, well, I'm a, a ski. 
it's called this is utah and there's skiing everywhere mm-hmm. that's what that's for i found those handcuffs in a dumpster and he's like the rest of the stuff's just stuff you know i just moved here it's just stuff from whatever i don't know if he said that but it's he's just, just all kinda, stuff that i played need. it away he's like that's all household stuff you know ice pick crowbar you know <laughs> it's just all rope you know mm-hmm. it's just all uh stuff household items oh he also uh, bundy also told him that he was uh he had been watching a movie uh, so he checked it out and they weren't playing that movie so he's like all right you're lying and he's like well mm-hmm. i'm just lost and kept trying to play it off Bob Hayward was like, enough's enough, uh, and arrested him for evading police because you still ran from me. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are, and if you were lost, you still ran from me. Why did you do that? Right. So Bob mentioned it to his uh, to his brother, who's the uh, Salt Lake County Sheriff, Pete Hayward. He's like, man, I arrested this weird dude, and it's just kind of weird. He had all this stuff in his car, and they had a meeting at the Sheriff's Department, and uh, the Deputy Ben Forbes He'd heard the name Theodore Bundy before as a possible suspect in several Washington State murders. So he hadn't, didn't have any warrants yet, but he was, he was a possible suspect. He matched the description of uh, some victims and some witnesses, and he drove a uh, VW Bug, and they had traced, uh, traced the name Theodore. You know, he was one of the people who fit mm-hmm. the profile. He, he drove a Bug, uh, and he fit the, fit the profile. So his name was already kind of going out there. So uh, they were like, we got to check more into this. Detective Jerry Thompson remembered a similar suspect in the kidnapping of a Murray, Utah uh, woman named Carol Durance. And uh, she'd escaped from a man that pretended to be a cop, and he tried to handcuff her in his, in his Volkswagen bug. And uh, when he, she fought him, uh, and he, he pulled over, uh, she noticed he wasn't going to, he said he was a cop and was going to take her to the police station to ask her some questions about mm-hmm. some stuff. And uh, she's like, you're not going towards the police station. Mm-hmm. Well, he pulled over and, like, tried to put handcuffs on her. In the fight, he ended up putting both cuffs on the same wrist. So she oh, no. grabbed the door got out. Like, he right. thought, all right, I've got her handcuffed. And he didn't. Oh. Surprise, surprise. So he, she hopped out. Thank uh, goodness. Ran off, yeah. Uh, so so she, she's like, the student of bug tried to kidnap me. He said he was a cop. Um, so anyway, they're like, this is weird. we got to check this guy out more. So they searched his house. And they found some links uh, to a school where Deborah Kent, uh, who had disappeared, uh, they found some some links to her school. They also found uh, uh, things from other areas of interest where other murders and disappearances had taken place. But they didn't have enough to hold him. They, that's a, just circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence, nothing really to hold him. Um, but Bundy later said that there was Polaroid photos of his victims in that house, in that apartment, mm. and they missed them. Uh, and later... Uh, they had to let him out because they didn't have enough to hold him, and he went and destroyed those photos after that. But they're like, this dude's weird. He's a person interested in this stuff. We can't let it go. Mm-hmm. We can't. We don't have anything to hold him on. We had to let him go for the for the evading arrest or evading uh, police. So they did, and um, they put him on surveillance. And I guess he could tell. You know, he knew that they were on his trail now. So he sold his 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 Volkswagen to a teenager. And the police were like, sorry, kid, this That's is ours fine. now. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. this is ours now. Uh, so they impounded it. The FBI searched it. They found hairs that matched several women uh, who uh, whose bodies had been found. Uh, then in October, you know, this was this was August when, when they first arrested him. Uh, so by October, they, uh, they put Bundy in a lineup, and Durant identified him as a person uh, that kidnapped her. 
and other witnesses recognizing from the high school where Deborah Kent disappeared. Like, you know, that was some witnesses were like, there was this weird dude that mm-hmm. was there. He just didn't fit in and nobody knew who he was and she disappeared. So they'd all told police that, uh, and they all said he was there. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't still couldn't prove that he did it, but they knew that he was in the area. Uh, Jerry Thompson then got with Robert Kepler from Washington and Michael Fisher from Colorado. And they, uh, they met in Aspen and they exchanged information, and at the end of the meeting, uh, they they had agreed that he was the killer that they'd all been looking for. Mm-hmm. In February 1976, Bundy was found guilty of kidnapping and assault and given 15 years in the Utah State Prison. Then later that year, he was charged with the murder of Karen Campbell in Colorado and was extradited to Glenwood Springs, Colorado. All right, so this is where it ends in Utah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more that goes on before and after this. This is what happened in Utah. So I'm not, you know, I didn't, I didn't concentrate on much what happened before in Utah uh, and what happened after. Uh, but I will go through uh, until uh, the end here just briefly. Uh, so if you want to find out more about Ted Bundy, you can definitely do mm-hmm, that. For it's sure. It's not going to be a problem. Um, but we're just going to focus on what happened in Utah, and that's pretty much the end of it right there. But at this point, he's arrested. They sent him to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and here's where he made his first escape. He got a little way from a little while, then was recaptured, and then he made a few more escapes and eventually made it down to Florida, where he murdered more women and and assaulted other women, and then he was finally arrested there for the final time. He stood trial in Florida for several of those crimes and uh, received multiple death sentences. He was executed at Rayford Prison in Florida on January 24th, 1989. Uh, before his execution, he admitted to killing 30 women. Uh, there was 11 in Washington, 8 in Utah, 3 in Colorado, 3 in Florida, 2 in Oregon, 2 in Idaho, and 1 in California. Good grief. Right. And that, that number is disputed uh, for several reasons. Some people say uh, there were several of those that were unknowns, uh, several that weren't found and still haven't been found. He was trying to use use it somewhat as a plea uh, to not go to the death that did not go to the chair mm-hmm. um but then he he would say stuff like there was more and just all kinds of stuff but it was everybody's pretty sure that it was 30 or around 30 mm-hmm. uh, so that's a pretty safe number there um Good Lord. right so just an awful awful guy and this dude he had there's there are people out there there are women who are still infatuated with him. Oh, I know. It's so They're weird. All, he had children in prison while he was in prison. He got married while he was in prison. There are people out there with tattoos of his bite mark. Gross. Right. So I don't understand I all don't that. Either. This dude was a killer. Yeah. And the the lady who married him, she, you know, by the time it was all over, when he when he knew he was going to the chair and started giving all this information, she she was like, what? She thought he was. She thought he was innocent. There's no way that this handsome man, and probably because he was a smooth talker. I and guess. I law, guess. law school. She met him in prison. Like he was in prison. She, anyway, it's just. Uh, yeah. I know, but if you're a guy who can try to talk his way out of having a crowbar and ice pick and rope and a ski mask to yeah. a police officer and like that's pretty bold. He could probably yeah. talk his way out of anything. Yeah. Well, well, he, he did. did. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't talk his way out of that. And he was smart, too. I mean, he escaped several times mm-hmm. and made it to Florida. Like, <laughs> yeah. got on got on, the, got on planes. This yeah. was way before 9-11. I, if you're younger than 
20 years old, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, what? Yeah. You could just get on a plane back in the day. Right. You say, I want a ticket. Here's some cash. Yeah. And you As if get you were getting a cab. <laughs> right. And you can smoke the whole time you're on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, uh, it was wild times, uh, which is a, has a lot to do with, with why he, uh, he got away with so many things. So uh, in 2011, uh, Bundy's DNA profile was added to the FBI's database in case anything else was found. So In 2011? Yeah. It took that long. Well, uh, you know. They, Could not. Yeah. You would think it would be in there much sooner. Yeah, I don't know what was up. So hmm. I remember uh, hearing about him when I was a kid, which is weird. How did I hear it? I mean, it's only three channels. So if something came across the news, I'm sure mm-hmm. the news was on at our house uh, when he in 1989. I mean, I was 10 years old. so uh, I'm not sure where I heard it first, but I know I was just like, oh, my goodness, this kid went all the way across country to kill these women and women fr- freely got in his vehicle and you know they had no idea because he was just such a smooth talker yeah okay so uh i also talked about another historic case uh, and like i said on this one you can go listen to cold because they're going to do they're going to go into a lot more detail uh shannon and i both listened to that podcast and 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 we'll say go listen to it but this is the uh, susan powell disappearance Susan Powell was, was last seen on December 6th after a neighbor came and visited him that afternoon. Uh, the morning of December 7th, she was reported missing. Or the entire family was reported missing after, uh, after her parents were called. Uh, her family was called and said that the kids didn't make it to uh, daycare. Uh, they tried to get a hold of Joshua, her husband's name is Joshua, and Susan, and they couldn't. So they called the cops, and the cops came to their house, uh, fearing that the family had been victims of carbon monoxide poisoning. And uh, they broke in and didn't find the family, but they found two box fans blowing at a wet spot on the couch. Mm. Susan didn't show up at her job that day. Uh, her purse, wallet, and identification were all found at the house, uh, but her cell phone was in the uh, their, their minivan that Josh had, had been using. Uh, and they know that because he showed back up about five o'clock that afternoon. Yeah. Remember the that? next, the day after she didn't show up to. <clears throat> no, later that day on the 7th, on December 7th, the same, this the is same a Monday. Day. Okay. Yeah, this is a Monday. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, this is a Monday that we're talking about. They, they went to church. They went to church on Sunday, uh, had been seen by neighbors that, that night. And then Monday mornings when everything, uh, happened where they broke into their house to try to find them mm-hmm. and they weren't there. So that, okay. that evening at five o'clock, he showed up. Uh, with the two boys, uh, Susan wasn't with him, uh, so they took him to the uh, took him to the police station and asked him some questions. He said that uh, he left her at home; uh, she was asleep, and he took the boys camping, and they left around midnight. <laughs> Who does that? Well, just like you on a Sunday do. before, <laughs> right? On a Sunday, uh, he took them camping in the coldest December in Utah. Right, it's cold. There's right. snow. So he said he went to Simpson Springs, which is uh, in western Utah, and uh, the police went there. On this, ended up going there on December tenth, um, but um, they didn't find any evidence of a campsite that Josh said he he had been to. Um, they also found it suspicious, like you would, that he would take his young boys out on a camping trip in a blizzard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you said it was cold. It was a blizzard, mm-hmm. uh, and that they let it left at midnight, and he had to work on Monday. Right. Well, his his boss he never did call in, and uh, he said, "Well, oh, I, I thought it was I thought it was Sunday. Oh my gosh! I thought we left Saturday night at midnight, 
and uh, I thought I had all day Sunday. I didn't think I had to go to work. And they're like, oh, this doesn't sound great. Mm. Um, on December 9th, they, uh, they found traces of Susan's blood on the floor at the house. They found life insurance policies uh, and a, uh, a handwritten letter from Susan expressing uh, that she feared for her life. Um, Josh and her did not have the marriage that they, uh, they showed to other people. Um, Josh's family life was crazy. Mm-hmm. His dad, who they live, who they had lived with before moving, was to, a weirdo. Yeah, he. Uh, they lived with him before they moved to Utah, and the reason they left is because he was in, infatuated with Susan. Joshua's dad mm-hmm. was infatuated with his son's wife. Yeah, and of course she was tri- she was creeped out by it, so they right. left and went to Utah. Um, like anybody would do. Let's get away from your dad. He's a creep. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Josh, and uh, she didn't like it because Josh and her and his dad stayed close. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, you know, she, she was like, you know, this isn't good. You don't, right. your dad's uh, messed up. And uh, Joshua had stopped going to church, which bothered her. Uh, some other things was going on. Um, but she wrote in that note that if anything happened to her, even if it looked uh, accidental, that uh, to look into her husband. Mm. Uh, and Cole goes in a lot more detail about that letter and about other things uh, that they found. Um, later, um, a couple weeks later, they inter- the police interviewed uh, the oldest son, Charlie, and he confirmed that uh, the camping trip did happen, but that uh, his mom, Susan, went with them, but she didn't come back. Mm-hmm. And then weeks after her disappearance, uh, Charlie claimed that his mother was dead. And then Braden, the other son, a few months later, he... He uh, drew a picture of a van with three people in it and told the uh, the people at daycare that mommy was in the trunk. Mm. So these kids just uh, just went through something awful and uh, and we're dealing with it. So Josh is out at this point and uh, he ends up having to move back in with his dad. Uh, yeah, his dad, the weirdo. His dad uh, and his brother, uh, his brother Michael. Uh, He's got several several siblings, uh, but his brother Michael uh, was was a person of of, of interest later. Uh, but Stephen ends up getting uh, Stephen is Joshua's dad. He ends up getting arrested for uh, voyeurism for uh, for uh, child pornography, and uh, Susan's parents say we want custody of the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they tried to get custody of the kids. Uh, Josh had to move out. He got an apartment, or he got an, he rented a place, but he didn't ever move in. Then later, another computer was found that had some pornographic images on it, uh, or simulated child porn on it that uh, that belonged to Susan that she had bought secondhand. Um, and they said that this uh, that they hadn't looked at it. That Josh hadn't looked at it. It was previously it was whoever the previous owners had 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 it on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, they used this again. Susan's parents. To try uh, to get the boys. Yeah, to try to get the boys. They ended up getting custody of him. So on February 5th, 2012, uh, a social worker who had uh, had took Charlie and Brayden uh, to a supervised visit with their dad, with their dad, Josh, um, in Washington State, where they're at now in South Hill, Washington. Um, she was supposed to monitor the visit, um, but when uh, she knocked on the door, he grabbed them. And then he wouldn't let her through the wouldn't let her through the door. Mm. Uh, soon thereafter, the house exploded. 
it killed Josh and the two children, and uh, local authorities treated the case as a double murder-suicide, saying that the act appeared to have been deliberate. Mm-hmm. So they told us Josh's dad, who was in jail about this, and he didn't seem very upset about it. Uh, in fact, he got angry at the authorities that, that notified him, and then he invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to answer questions about her disappearance. And uh, they, everyone believes that they that Stephen knows exactly what's uh, what happened. What happened? Season? Yeah, yeah. He was convicted of uh, voyeurism charges in May tw- 2012. Um, that didn't they didn't have anything to do with Susan's case really. After they did an investigation on Josh and the uh, the explosion, they uh, they they did find out that the cause of death for Joshua and the boys was discer- determined to be carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, they also noted that both children had significant chopping injuries on the head and neck, uh, and they found a hatchet close to Josh's body. They believed that he attacked the boys before he was overwhelmed with smoke and fumes. <sighs> so Susan is still, they still don't have a body. Right. Her body is still missing. Uh, in 2000, you know, up until 2018, people were still trying to get her declared dead uh, with, with the cause being homicide, uh, but they haven't, haven't found her body to this day. So, uh. But Josh's, uh, Josh's family, or at least not his sister, his sister uh, believes he had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother, Michael, um, a year after this, uh, February 11, 2013, uh, his, his brother, Michael, killed himself in, in Minnesota. He jumped off the roof of a parking garage, and he'd been questioned several times uh, about, about the death. They believe that Michael was an accomplice of Joshua in some way. Mm. That's the disappearance of Susan Powell. So if you listen to Cold, they go detailed, super detailed, like day by day, minute by minute on their venture up. Because the, where they went in the mountains was secluded. Because they had GPS stuff that monitored through the cell phone. And like he was way up there. Um, his whole thing, he was so sketchy and weird. He was, yeah. To hear him talk to and his dad talk because they play audio clips right. of them it was super creepy right. i mean you immediately get that vibe like this dude's a freak yeah his dad videoed everything had mm-hmm. actually videoed him declaring his love to susan yeah and that that was uh, that uh, that exchange was on on re- uh, recording yeah uh, i actually had to skip through that one the the first time i listened because it was so creepy it was freaking me out yeah it's uh <laughs> Cole does a great job at that, so uh, go check that that podcast out. Yeah, it was really good. Well, I'm going to segue into the case that I saw, which is totally different than, I mean, Ted Bundy and the Susan Powell case was so big. But today I'm going to bring you the murder that has been dubbed the February 9th killer. On February 9th, 2006, Sonia Meja's body was found inside her apartment in Taylorsville, Utah, which is 11 minutes away from West Valley, but in actuality, it's one mile. It's just one mile from there. Sonia lived with her boyfriend of eight years, and I think I read in another article, it was common law marriage with the two of them. So husband, boyfriend, they weren't legally married, though. A boyfriend of eight years, and they had a six-year-old son. Sonia's stature was small at 5'3", weighing about 125 pounds. And according to a witness... 
The morning of the ninth, Sonia was seen talking to an Hispanic man about 5, 6, 20 to 29 years of age at her doorway of the apartment. The man was reportedly holding a bag of chips and a Coke. The witness also informed police that Sonia was assaulted and the man forced his way into the apartment, closing the door behind him. Her boyfriend found her that evening, which also raises the question, how come no one, the witness didn't go check? Like, it could have been the area that she was in, but, I mean, that's really odd. If I think someone was forced in, I would at least go check later, especially if they left. You know what I mean? But, anyway. Her boyfriend, husband, found her that evening half-nude laying on the bed. She had a blue bandana around her mouth and a wire around her neck. She was also six months pregnant at the time of her murder. Her unborn child did not survive as well. Some of Sonia's jewelry was taken from her apartment, along with the keys to her Ford Escort vehicle. Her car was found five days after the murder in a motel parking lot. The autopsy revealed that Sonia had been sexually assaulted and died from strangulation. The sad case of Sonia and her unborn baby has a tie to a 2008 murder that happened in West Valley, and strangely, it was the exact same day of February 9th. Domenica Castillo was 57 years old in 2008 and was awaiting her son to pick her up to go to work that day. Her son had tried calling her several times without any answer. When he arrived at the apartment, he tried knocking and banging on the door with no reply. He found a spare key and entered his mom's house. Upon entering, he noticed a mess throughout the home and his mom laying on the ground. She had been strangled and sexually assaulted. Authorities said it mimicked the death of Sonia from 2006. After Castillo's murder, the authorities didn't really think they had a serial killer on their hands, but DNA from both crime scenes linked the rapes. Authorities had the DNA match from both women, but did not know who the killer was. They just knew that DNA matched right. from both of them, but they didn't wow. know who it came from. So the two cases went cold until 2010 when prosecutors filed charges against a John Doe since they had evidence, but not a suspect. And in 2018, District Attorney of Salt Lake City announced that the killer had been identified and they were working to get him back to Utah. The judge could not reveal who the killer was just in case he became a flight risk or if he tried to flee. The killer is serving time right now in another state and is unaware of the charges pending for him back in Utah, which I found super interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I mean, he is linked to these two women for murder and he's serving a sentence in a different state, but they're not going to release the name. Like, if I was family of these two women, I would be like, come on, I want right. to know who did this. Yeah. I want to be able to look this person in the eye in trial, and I want to Are say you, what I need to say. You didn't say that, that the family knew. They just weren't telling him. No, they were, the, the family does not know. But they know. They, the they family know, does know. They that know that there's a killer, and he's in jail, okay. and they can't release the name yet. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. So they've at least got some closure. They know yes. they know that he's he's going to face justice. Yes. Yeah. But that's, still, that's, I mean <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of anything like that though. Oh, that's the first one. So um I'm sure there might be others, but and the people around West Valley were really scared 
um, in between 2006, 2008. So in 2007, the anniversary right. and after the anniversary, because they didn't know, like, they didn't know. Month, right. Okay. And so they were wow. like, Oh no, it's the anniversary. And you know, they would, authorities would let them know like anniversary of da da da. Cause they didn't know. Right. Well, that's West Valley city, Utah. And, um, uh, we always say that the, uh, the crimes do not define the town. And uh, Shannon said earlier that it's beautiful what she saw, and and it is Utah. It's it's hard to go to a place in Utah where it's not beautiful. Um, but if you if you do end up in West Valley City, uh, there's all kinds of things to do there in Utah. Uh, you can get outside town just a little bit and see some uh, see some beautiful uh, natural scenery. Uh, there's all kinds of theaters in town. Uh, the Golden Spike National Historic Park is uh, is not too far. Uh, from from this area, that's where they laid the golden spike when they connected the uh, railway from uh, from the east and the west uh, together. Uh, that's up in Corrine, Utah. There's lots of distilleries there, just like everywhere now. <laughs> There's distilleries everywhere. Um, the Pony Express National Historic Trail, Park City Main Street, Park City, Utah is not far away. American West Heritage Center is not far from there, and also. Salt Lake City and some of the suburbs is where they filmed The Sandlot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all around there is where they filmed The Sandlot. In fact, uh, Ted Bundy had been and done some things in, in the town where uh, uh, where the drugstore was in The Sandlot. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it was all around Salt Lake City mm-hmm. area, but that was one of the places I, uh, I noted. So it was... He's uh, so creepy. Ugh. Yeah, so go visit West Valley City, Utah. Uh, if you're out there, if you ended up end up landed in Salt Lake City, go check this place out. Uh, go check out Fairborn Station area. Thank y'all for listening. Please go visit our website at yourtowncrimepodcast.com. You can link to all of our social media sites there, our socials. Uh, yourtowncrimepod at gmail.com is our email address if you have any questions, if you have anything to add. Uh, if you do want to go straight to our uh, our socials, uh, go to on Instagram, uh, Your Town Crime Pod. That's where I put out most of the stuff. That's where I uh, release most of the information on on Twitter at Crime underscore Town. Also, do some things there where we link cases if we see it, uh, some some stories, uh, things like that. Uh, getting getting a little bit more going on Twitter right now. So uh, we've linked to some other uh, other people there. Uh, so we thank you all for for liking and retweeting stuff. Yes. I appreciate that. Facebook, uh, Your Town Crime Podcast. Find us on there. We've, uh, I think we've got a few new listeners from, uh, from some uh, Facebook groups uh, that we've, we've joined here lately. Uh, thank you guys for coming and checking us out. I know we're a little bit different, uh, but, hey, we all can't be the same. We're right. true, true crime. We all like true crime. Uh, we all like uh, learning different things. We're normal people, and this is the things that interest us, the history and also uh, the true crime, so we do a little bit of everything. And if you didn't know already, what we do that's different than everybody else is we throw a dart at an actual map, an actual dart and an actual map, mm-hmm. and and we choose the town that we do next uh, through that. So it's time for that. Right. It's, it's that time. It's that time. It's your turn. Are you sure? I know. I got. I did this one. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I'm not sure. You did it because you hit. I hit the ocean like five times. It's your turn. That's what I was thinking. It is my time. Okay. It is my turn. So this is how it goes. All right. He's literally getting up 
Gonna throw the dart. He's standing pretty far away. I don't know. I feel like we've. I don't know. Seems like we go east, west, east, west. Let's see. I'm going to go to Mill, Kansas, or Missouri. What's that saying? Okay. Kansas or Missouri. He's calling it. Ooh, Missouri. Missouri. Mountain View, Missouri. Mountain View, Missouri. Mountain View, Missouri. Let's see what's there. Um, they're very small towns and they're in the mountains. Uh, so it might take us a second to find some history and things like that, but we're going to do something around Mountain View. All right. We'll see y'all back here next week for Mountain View, Missouri. Yes. Can't wait. All right. See y'all later.